Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. No crime against gods or man have I committed, save to speak the truth. Bonus points to anyone who knows where that quote is from, because it isn't Greek myth or tragedy. Hi, hello, welcome. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am Liv, she of the spooky season obsession. I am back again with the last of the standard solo spooky season episodes for the year, and we're going out with a bang. On Friday, I will have a conversation coming that's all about witches of Greek and Roman myth, and just the idea of those witches generally. You don't want to miss it. But today, well, there's one woman in Greek myth who is utterly fascinating and, for the most part, pretty fucking cursed. Here's the thing about Cassandra, though, and that incredibly famous curse of hers. It doesn't actually appear in all that many sources. Instead, Cassandra is a character that appears in so, so many places and in a number of different forms, at least when it comes to her role as prophetess and sister of Paris and Hector, let alone a woman later enslaved by Agamemnon. Cassandra is more than you think. That curse is a little different. 
But we'll get there. For now, another quick announcement. I'm just teasing you about next week's episode. Because, well, you absolutely do not want to miss it. I will be speaking with someone who so, so many of you love. A certain author and artist of a certain iconic series. Any guesses? Feel free to tweet them at me, comment on Instagram. I want to hear if you can guess and how excited you are for this one. We recorded it actually back at the end of September, so I've been sitting on this news for so long because, well, there's a book coming out. Fuck, this job is fun. Today, though, today, We're covering the mysterious and intriguing prophetess herself, the woman we all know as cursed not to be believed, even though, was she? Cassandra. This is episode 142. No crime have I committed, save to speak the truth. The Cursed Cassandra Cassandra is one of the most well-known characters from Greek myth in today's world. People don't always know who she is or what she was famous for besides the most notable point. She was a prophetess who was cursed not to be believed. The word Cassandra goes on in time to imply prophetic visions of some kind. It evolves and grows far beyond this one woman from Troy. But it turns out the idea of her being explicitly cursed by Apollo or a survivor of Apollo isn't all that widespread across the sourcing. And in fact, Cassandra herself is somewhat minor, actually very minor, in basically everything that survives except Aeschylus's Agamemnon. The others wrote plays that featured her. Both Euripides and Sophocles had plays entitled Alexandros, plays about Paris's return to Troy after growing up as a shepherd who didn't understand his heritage. There, Cassandra would have featured fairly heavily, but neither play survives. If she's in the Iliad at all, it's as a minor reference, and even that I can't think of. She is, you'll remember, in Euripides' Trojan Women, but in that story her role is about foreseeing Agamemnon's impending death and emphasizing the way her prophetic powers have influenced and affected her. And then, of course, like so much of the story revolving around Troy, she doesn't really appear in any of the traditional stories by the mythographers, or Hesiod, the Homeric hymns, the usual places where we gather these stories. She's just not there. I tell you all of this not to lessen her importance, but to add to the intrigue that is Cassandra. Many of you have asked me to cover her in the past, and I've been hesitant for exactly this reason, because there really is so little. But fortunately, these days, I have some really hardcore sourcing that helps me solve this problem, for the most part, so that you all get a spooky season episode devoted to Cassandra, in which I get the privilege of quoting Scream 2 as an episode title. We all win. The most powerful source we have for Cassandra, the place where she really shines, where her story is told viscerally and beautifully, is Aeschylus' play, The Agamemnon. 
I've covered it briefly back at the end of the Trojan War episodes, the cursed family that is that family of Mycenae. So I won't go through the whole play for you, but I will quote from it throughout kind of heavily because Cassandra's lines are incredible. Cassandra, Cassandra, Cassandra. Let's start at the beginning. Cassandra was a princess of Troy, a daughter of Priam and Hecuba and sister to, among many others, Paris and Hector, those famed and fateful princes of Troy. Cassandra's story, at least at the beginning, revolves around Paris. When he was born, there was a prophecy, or sometimes it's a dream by his own mother, Hecuba, that the child would cause the fall of Troy. Because of this, Paris was one of those many characters of myth who was exposed, a baby left on a mountainside to die. But as with all the others, he doesn't die. He's raised by a shepherd and given the name Alexandros. There are many variations on what exactly happens when Paris finally returns to Troy without the knowledge that he is actually one of their princes. What's important, though, is that everyone appears to have forgotten the prophecy or the dream that he would cause their downfall. And instead, it's Cassandra who has to point this out, who has to call out this strange man for what he means for the Trojan people. He will cause Troy to burn, she insists. But her warnings are ignored. You see, I say they're ignored. Her warnings are not necessarily not believed. And even when they're not believed, it's not necessarily because of a curse by Apollo. In fact, it isn't until Aeschylus' Agamemnon that we have a surviving source for this famous curse. Woe, 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 oh, Apollo, oh, Apollo. Apollo, Apollo, God of the ways, my destroyer, for you have destroyed me, and utterly, this second time. That, along with so many others you will hear in this episode, is a quote of Cassandra's lines in Aeschylus' Agamemnon. Because it's Aeschylus who either adds or maybe drawing from a source we don't have, emphasizes Cassandra's past relationship with Apollo, that he gifted her with prophecy but cursed her never to be believed. This gets picked up and referenced later, becoming the most well-known thing about Cassandra, the cursed Trojan prophetess. Pseudo-Apollodorus states it as fact, though that work comes from quite a bit later than Aeschylus's Agamemnon. I say this only because in the notes of the Pseudo-Apollodorus, there's also a cryptic reference to another version of Cassandra's story of gaining prophecy. Apparently, she and one of her brothers might have had their ears licked by snakes, which gave them gifts of prophecy. Fuck if I don't love all the weird shit the Greeks did with snakes. In their mythology, still weirder, though, is a reference in Robert Graves that I can't find better sourcing on that suggests that Apollo spat directly into Cassandra's mouth to curse her with prophecy not to be believed, which is fucking revolting. 
Still, it's the general idea of Apollo's wrath, typically in the form of an assault, that Cassandra is known for, along with the resulting curse. But was she assaulted by Apollo, or did he attempt it at least? Did he curse her not to be believed, or was she just a priestess of the god, a prophetess in her own right, who happened to foretell the types of prophecies that people aren't likely to believe, or more likely don't want to believe? I mean, her most famous prophecies are the fall of Troy and the death of Agamemnon. These are types of things that would be immediately disbelieved out of sheer denial. But the idea of this woman who knows all, sees all, but can never be believed is just too interesting, too tragic, and fascinating at the same time. And that's not to say Cassandra wasn't a survivor of assault. Because fuck boy was she. She just may not have had to fend off Apollo, specifically. But the woman didn't get off easy. Then none of the Trojan women did. Apollo, Apollo, god of the ways, my destroyer, ah, what way is this that you have brought me? To what a house. The second thing Cassandra is most famous for, beyond the prophecies themselves, is her travel with Agamemnon. After the war, when the Greeks have raised Troy to the ground and abducted all of their women, killed all of the men, they split the women off between them each man getting possession of their own human person. They sail off to each of their own homes. Agamemnon takes Cassandra. Agamemnon, after all the bullshit he did, after the horrific mess with Briseis and Chryseis, after everything awful about that creepy creep of a man, he takes Cassandra and he brings her home to Mycenae. He brings her to his home in Mycenae, where he thinks his wife, Clytemnestra, will be there to give them both a warm welcome. No, no, rather to a god-hating house, a house that knows many a horrible butchery of kin, a slaughterhouse of men and a floor swimming with blood. Here is the evidence in which I put my trust. Behold, these babies bewailing their own butchery and their roasted flesh eaten by their father. Agamemnon's surely violent abduction of Cassandra comes after another arguably more horrific, encounter with the Greeks. The Trojan War was nearing its end, or at least it seemed that way for the Trojans. One morning after the death of Patroclus, and then Hector, and then Achilles, the Greeks seemed to have just up and left. But as we all well know, even though it appeared as though they had left Troy alone, sailed off into the Mediterranean sunset, they'd left behind one notable thing a very large wooden horse. There were only two Trojans who saw this large wooden horse left behind by the apparently fleeing Greeks and knew that something was very, very wrong. It was a seer named Laocoon and our girl Cassandra. Both announced that this was not something the Trojans should bring within their walls. Cassandra said very clearly that there were armed men inside it. As always, no one believed her. 
But once again I ask, did they not believe her because of some curse by Apollo or because she was a Trojan princess, who no one ever considered to be a prophetess in her own right? She was, after all, just a woman making claims about something that involved men. Still, that doesn't account for Laocoon not being believed, and he certainly wasn't either. Even when he and his two sons were attacked and killed by serpents that came from the sea, even then the Trojans didn't think to themselves, hey, maybe this horse isn't a great idea. Already I prophesied to my countrymen all their disasters. Cassandra foresaw the fall of Troy. She knew the Greeks were hiding their best men inside that large wooden horse, and she couldn't do anything about it. She could, though, find solace in Athena's temple. That's what she did. She hid out in Athena's temple when the Greeks poured from that wooden horse, brought deep within Troy's walls. But even Athena's temple wasn't safe. Cassandra was found there by Ajax the Lesser, called that because he wasn't as good or heroic as the other Ajax of the Trojan War. This one was the real bad one, and he found Cassandra hiding in Athena's temple, and he assaulted her, even while she clung on to the statue of the goddess. And it was fucking horrifying. In a notable divergence from Ovid's version of Medusa and Athena's reaction to a similar event in that story, Athena punishes the living fuck out of the Greeks. Their seer Calchas knows that Cassandra was assaulted in there, in Athena's temple, and he makes very clear to the other Greeks that if they do not kill Ajax for what he's done, then Athena will surely punish them on their way home from Troy. Ajax, though, hides from the other Greeks at some other temple where they fear retribution for killing him there. So they just don't. They don't kill Ajax the Lesser, even though they fully and completely acknowledge that what he did was unnecessarily violent and horrible. And so because they know what they've done, and Athena knows too, she has Zeus send a storm that sinks many, many Greek ships as they attempt to sail away from Troy— leaving that city in smoldering ruins. Serves them right. Still, even with this righteous punishment, with Athena on her side, Cassandra is bound for Mycenae with Agamemnon, who is taking her home as his prize, his property, his concubine, as the translations like to say. Ugh. She's his captive, his hostage, and the phrasing should make clear how horrific it is that Agamemnon has done this. Fortunately for karma and fate, Agamemnon's got a lot coming for him when he arrives home in Mycenae, and once again, Cassandra knows. From the moment they set foot in Agamemnon's homeland, as they come towards the palace in decadence, with Agamemnon clearly showing off his prize, his human prize, even as he greets his wife for the first time in ten years. Cassandra sees not only what's going to happen to Agamemnon, but to her too. And boy, does she have a couple of incredible speeches to convey what she sees, what's coming for him 
Agamemnon, this man who traveled to her home, destroyed her city, this man who killed all the men she'd ever known and imprisoned all the women. She sees what's coming for him. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Ah, ah, oh, oh, the agony. Once more, the dreadful throes of true prophecy whirl and distract me with their ill-boding onset. Do you see them there, sitting before the house, young creatures like phantoms of dreams? Children, they seem, slaughtered by their own kindred, their hands full of the meat of their own flesh. They're clear to my sight, holding their vitals and their inward parts, piteous burden, which their father tasted. For this cause, I tell you that a strengthless lion, wallowing in his bed, plots vengeance. A watchman waiting, ah me, for my master's coming home. Yes, my master, for I must bear the yoke of slavery. 
The commander of the fleet and the overthrower of Ilium little knows what deeds shall be brought to evil accomplishment by the hateful hound whose tongue licks his hand, who stretched forth her ears in gladness like treacherous Ate. Such boldness has she, a woman, to slay a man. What odious monster shall I fitly call her? An amphibina or a skilla tenanting the rocks? A pest to mariners? A raging devil's mother breathing relentless war against her husband? And how the all-daring woman raised a shout of triumph, as when the battle turns, the while she feigned to joy at his safe return. And yet it is all one whether or not I am believed. What does it matter? What is to come will come. And soon you, yourself present here, shall with great pity pronounce me all too true a prophetess. Cassandra speaks all of this to the chorus, the elders assembled to welcome their king home after his long, long war in the east. She calls to Apollo, as you heard me quote earlier. She recalls all that's happened, all the horrors that she and all the Trojans have experienced. She recalls the curse on the house of Atreus, those children killed and eaten by their own parent. She lays out just how horrifying and cursed this house is. She cries out in anguish, and she begins to foretell what is going to happen to their king, what she sees within her mind, the bloody mess that Agamemnon's wife, Clytemnestra, and her lover, Aegisthus, are about to bring on Agamemnon. After a quick exchange with the chorus, Cassandra's speech continues. I say you shall look upon Agamemnon dead. Oh, oh, what fire! It comes upon me! Woe, woe, Lycaean Apollo! Ah me, ah me, this two-footed lioness who mates with a wolf in the absence of the noble lion will slay me, miserable as I am. Brewing as it were a drug, she vows that with her wrath she will mix requital for me too, while she wets her sword against her husband to take murderous vengeance for bringing me here. Why then do I bear these mockeries of myself, this wand, these prophetic chaplets on my neck? You at least I will destroy before I die myself to destruction with you. And fallen there, thus do I repay you, and rich with doom some other in my place. Look, Apollo himself is stripping me of my prophetic garb. He that saw me mocked to bitter scorn, even in this bravery, by friends turned foes with one accord in vain. But... Like some vagrant mountebank called beggar, wretch, starveling, I bore it all. And now the prophet, having undone me his prophetess, has brought me to this lethal pass. Instead of my father's altar, a block awaits me where I am to be butchered in a hot and bloody sacrifice. 
Yet we shall not die unavenged by the gods, for there shall come in turn another, our avenger, a scion of the race, to slay his mother and exact requital for his sire, an exile, a wanderer, a stranger from this land. He shall return to put the coping stone upon these unspeakable iniquities of his house." For the gods have sworn a mighty oath that his slain father's outstretched corpse shall bring him home. Why then thus raise my voice in pitiful lament? Since first I saw the city of Ilium fare what it has fared, while her captors, by the gods' sentence, are coming to such an end. I will go in and meet my fate. I will dare to die. This door I greet as the gates of death. And I pray that, dealt a mortal stroke, without a struggle, my lifeblood ebbing away in easy death, I may close these eyes. In Aeschylus's Agamemnon, Cassandra is killed by Clytemnestra and Aegisthus alongside Agamemnon. At the moment of that last long speech, one of Cassandra's last few lines in the play Agamemnon has already gone inside to his death, and she's speaking with the chorus alone. She only speaks to the chorus throughout, really, which is suggestive of just how little she's considered to be a real human person by the others in Mycenae. She's there as property, war spoils, just like the gold and silver that they'd taken from the palace. But she knows what's to come. Cassandra knows that Agamemnon may already be dead, and if he wasn't, he's surely about to be. She knows all of this, but she also knows that her life wouldn't have been much better than death if she had continued to live there in Mycenae with Agamemnon and his wife. What did it matter, then, if she would die there before having to experience the worst of the horror that would surely come? She is coherent by the end, strong and stable, and she knows what she's saying. She knows what's happening. It's a stark contrast with her role at the beginning of the play, which she's speaking in riddles, she's crying out. They think she's mad that she can't communicate with them at all. But that doesn't matter, because again, she's property. She's there to be used for something, and it isn't her speaking voice. But the further things progress, the more she speaks with the chorus and sees what's coming for her, the clearer she becomes, the more eloquent and descriptive. Cassandra's speeches in this play are incredible and powerful, and Cassandra is an unbelievable badass whose story has, well, very little story, if any at all. In terms of the Trojan War, she existed to foretell disaster and not be believed. In the Agamemnon, it almost seems like she's there for the same thing, but then the more she speaks, the more clear it becomes that that she's there to serve a very real dramatic purpose. Not only to foretell what's going to happen offstage, but to emphasize the horror of it and the brilliance and fascination of her as a character. And then it's over. She's killed by Clytemnestra and Aegisthus, and what will follow in the rest of Aeschylus's trilogy has, in essence, already been foretold by Cassandra. The family is cursed, and only more horror and tragedy will befall them. 
Orestes and Electra will kill their mother, Clytemnestra, for killing their father, Agamemnon. Orestes will be haunted by the Furies and the curse on the house of Atreus that once was the curse of the Pelopidae, that was the curse of the Tantalids, will drag on and on and on. Fortunately for Cassandra, she doesn't have to be there to see it, and she's content with that. She's accepting of her fate. What I'm about to read are Cassandra's very last lines in the play, before she enters the palace to face her death. Nay, I will go to bewail also within the palace my own and Agamemnon's fate. Enough of life. Alas, my friends, not with vain terror do I shrink as a bird that fears a bush. After I am dead, bear witness for me of this, when for me a woman, another woman shall be slain, and for an ill-wedded man another man shall fall. I claim this favor from you now that my hour is come. Yet once more I would like to speak, but not a dirge. I pray to the sun in presence of his latest light that my enemies may at the same time pay to my avengers a bloody penalty for slaughtering a slave, an easy prey. Alas, for human fortune, when prosperous a mere shadow can overturn it, if misfortune strikes, the dash of a wet sponge blots out the drawing. And this last I deem far more pitiable than that. Oh, nerds, thank you as always. I'm so happy I was able to do this episode for Cassandra. I've always wanted to, and I know many of you have asked me about it in the past, but as you can see, there really isn't that much in the way of sourcing for the Trojan princess. She really does exist to give prophecies, not to be believed, and little more. No one can agree how she got the gift of prophecy, or whether she was indeed cursed by Apollo not to be believed, she doesn't have a story of her own, doesn't have much of anything to say beyond in this play. Fortunately, in this play, she has a lot to say and it's bloody brilliant. So I don't normally quote that much, but it just suited her so well to share most of her lines from the play without the lines of anyone else. That means I played with the order. Sometimes I said lines where there would have been a choral response to Cassandra, but I just wanted you to have her words. If you're interested, you can find that translation on theoi.com. I've linked to it in the episode's description. You can read the choral responses or whatever else of the play. It's a really good play. Throughout, the chorus is speaking with her, and they seem to really believe her by the end, which is reassuring. Still, it's her lines that interest me, particularly those speeches. They're beautiful and leave me wishing there was so much more to say about her. Fortunately, I love quoting, and you all seem to love it too, so... We're in a good spot. Thank you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes incoming, including a conversation that so many of you are going to be so thrilled by. Make sure you're subscribed or you'll miss it. And while we're at it, I would really love any and all of you to submit reviews via Apple Podcasts. 
I know so many of you listen on Spotify, but it, if you can go there to review it, it honestly makes an enormous difference for me, and that is such a thrill. Spotify does not allow reviews, and thus Apple are the only ones that matter in the whole wide world of podcasting. It's weird, I know. I may even start reading a five-star review here and there during the end bits of the podcast so that you all might get to hear your own. Just a bit of incentive to help me keep the podcast growing so that I can keep making it for you all. You're truly all the best. Happy Halloween and merry spooky season. I am Liv and I truly love this shit. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Act Activating Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Come.